It's like imagine a thin graham cracker with a marshmallow on top dipped in hard chocolate and hardened. And they're so freaking amazing. So it's a s'mores We call candy it bar? s'mores. <laughs> mm, yeah, but you know, I like those. <laughs> Welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. I am Michael Locke, and today I'll be joined by two other industry-leading experts on snacking. Brent Philbin. Hello. And Kareem Baruke. That was a really long delayed, Brent just kind of looked at the camera and was like, oh my god, look at me. Oh man. I uh, mean, hello. Wait, whoa, they I'm picked Brent. me. Holy moly. <laughs> no, look, I, I heard industry-leading experts. I thought there was like, I was going to have to argue with you. You thought there was another or, podcast. Like, say something. And and then you were like on snacking, and I was just like, oh, damn it. It was a fat joke. <laughs> no, it's a mailbag joke. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, all right. Let's not jump ahead. Let's right. not jump ahead. It's a little uh, foreshadowing there. But today is July the 27th, 2018. It's Friday flagship number 30. And as Kareem reminded me, it's also our 95th episode. We're getting close there. Uh, for those of you that are just tuning in, uh, the Friday flagships are weekly meeting of the minds where we discuss news, current events, and all the nonsense that gets tossed around in the cryptocurrency space. So without further ado, let's move on to the announcements section. Kareem, what are we starting with? Yeah, so this one's just real quick, uh, but it was on the top page of Reddit today in within the last 15, 12 hours. It looks like um, Google accidentally dropped the MetaMask listing. For those of you that don't know, it's good that you're not using it in this moment, but MetaMask is basically uh, just like a wallet app, but hackers obviously took advantage of the fact that that was dropped and they put up a fake app, which is essentially a phishing scam. So now I don't use MetaMask, but I just thought that it was worth making sure everybody knew, at least for the current time being, that there is a phishing scam out there. And also, damn, man, like so many of these crypto scams happen because either they got rid of the ad. Remember how like a lot of, you know, people can't do advertising. So scammers can benefit from that because the real sites don't show up and things like that. It's pretty frustrating. But Anyway, I actually knew a little bit more about this. Uh, you're safe now. What happened was there was a fake one on Google, uh, like in the Chrome store, and Google or, and MetaMask reported it, and Google took down the wrong one. So <laughs> they took down the real MetaMask. So the fake one was up alone for like three hours. And so, what does this mean for you if you downloaded or added the MetaMask ex- extension to Chrome? On July 25th, you are you want to take a real long, hard look at that, delete it, reinstall it, whatever. Make sure you've got your your seed. Hopefully, you didn't enter it into the wrong thing. Be very careful with that particular one if you downloaded it that exact day. If you think um, you're even close, just create a new yeah. wallet and send it to a new address because... Even if they collect all these addresses, they still have to execute that hack or whatever, you know? So, like, yeah. if you think that there's any chance... You know, you downloaded this in the last couple of days, your private seed or your private key might have gotten picked up. Yeah. So just do just do that. You're not at risk otherwise. But if you didn't download it, make sure you have your seed words somewhere. And you've got like if you were being lazy about that, make sure you have them because it's entirely possible they might be pushing a code through 
that may fix an exploit or may fix something and you may have to re-enter your seed words. So just be careful about that. Yeah, we talked about this on a different episode when we're back when we were discussing the um, one of the hacks for the the ledger um the the offline wallet, you know, they may obtain the information required, your private keys, they may obtain all that information and they may sit on it for a fairly long amount of time, hoping that there's a day where you like deposit a lot or move a lot in or out. And if you think that you're at risk at all, I highly recommend just finding a way to start fresh. Anything else we want to cover in announcements this week, guys? I don't think so. Nobody pointed out anything that we uh, that we got wrong this week, so <laughs> I think we're I think we're good. Uh, I've had my head buried in the sand for a little bit, so uh, hopefully we didn't miss anything. <laughs> but anywho, let's move on to the current events section. Uh, Kareem, looks like we're going to get an update from a guy that was uh, <laughs> that's probably going to play one of the leading roles in the eventual Hollywood interpretation of the beginnings of Bitcoin. You know, what is the going on? What is the latest with Ross Ulbrich? Yeah, I really wanted to bring this story up. So we've talked about Ross in the past. He was the founder of Silk Road. And we brought him up during one of our episodes, I think, about applications. Because basically, a U.S. district attorney did a um, prosecution, and she did a TED Talk on it. And we spoke about it because they actually used the Bitcoin blockchain to solve the crime. But one of the things that she talks about on that uh, talk is that Ross Albright hired this undercover cop in order to have his partner murdered when they thought that his partner had stolen the Bitcoin funds. So here's why I bring it up. There's a lot of people in the community that felt that these charges were unfair. And, you know, obviously having seen like the official conversation by the uh, persecuting attorney herself, you know, we just covered it and I'm linking the TED Talk. But just recently... The U.S. attorney for the District of Maryland, who's currently the one that was persecuting those charges, just had the murder for um, the murder for hire charges dropped. So now the argument that they said was that it was in part due to time served, which sounds absolutely ridiculous to me because he's only been in jail a few years. And if you actually hired someone to get them tortured and killed, I don't really think that they're thinking to themselves, oh, well, you know, it's been four or five years like he did his time. So to me, this is starting to look like more evidence that the people who were claiming that Ross Albright was framed might have been correct here. And specifically, it turns out that some of the evidence that was used against him in that murder for hire charge was given to the police by the, the corrupt cops, the ones that were stealing the Bitcoin. You know, now I assumed that since those cops ended up getting caught and going to jail, that they were two separate things. But it turns out, no, that it was those very cops who may have framed Albright for those murder for uh, hire charges. Now, I don't have any evidence either way. However, the fact that this district attorney is dropping those charges makes it a very compelling point for me that they're just charges that won't be able to stick. So, especially since we talked about it on the show, I talked about it based on that TED Talk. I just wanted to bring it up again and say, you know, if this is true, then that would completely change my stance on Albrecht. And he would go from somebody who I thought had paid for a murder, in which case I believe in all the punishment in the world, to just somebody who was running a site where drugs were being trafficked, you know, so, which is a different story, especially if he was framed, in any new developments with that story, I'll make sure to keep the podcast updated. We're going to put in the show notes 
the latest article that talks about those charges being dropped and also the original TED talk by the attorney who was persecuting him. So you can see that entire talk. So didn't we know we knew the cops were uh, were dirty, were were corrupt cops originally, right? When we originally examined the evidence, I you know I don't want to necessarily give give Ross the O.J. Simpson. You know these cops are racist and they're willing to frame people, so they obviously framed O.J. scenario uh, when he clearly did it. So I don't know. I, I haven't looked into a ton of this evidence, but um, so the new the new evidence is the is really the state attorney is dropping these char- is dropping a certain group of charges but he's still serving that long sentence right like he hasn't had yeah any- but see here's the problem and this is where i do think that he's getting the short end of the stick at, as things are playing out number one in the example that you gave with oj simpson i think one of the key differences here is that the officers were benefiting directly remember that these were the officers that got caught they were blackmailing him selling him information on the case in exchange for bitcoin and they're the ones that one of them was the one that drained out the bitcoin wallets so if they are the ones that are providing evidence, it's not just about framing for the sake of framing. It would actually be framing in a self-beneficial way, which takes heat off of them for the crime that they're committing on the side. So that's num- number one. So you're, say- like you're saying that their incentive is because they were doing something really bad, they wanted to make it look like he was doing something the, worse? The worse that they make Albrecht look and the more criminal that he is, in my opinion, the less pressure there would have been on them. The- they're literally stealing money bitcoin from albrecht himself so it's not like a, a a big leap here so if they if the evidence that they provide played a major role on these charges then i think that that's cause for concern it's a red flag and number two he basically got a long sentence in part because of these charges even though he wasn't tried for these charges it was a weird dynamic where like these charges hadn't like they hadn't handled that part of the trial yet or maybe that was a different trial and they're doing this other trial and the judge just like well you know you're a terrible person and you need to be made an example of you know and he gets a very long sentence and now finally they're getting to try the murder charges and the government's basically saying oh, we're going to drop these charges so that's very possible then that these charges never had any justification. They biased the judge in his original sentencing. So look, I was very critical when we covered this story, but if this is correct information, then he's definitely getting the shorter end of the stick here. You know, this is pretty unconstitutional in my opinion from a lot of angles. What I find interesting about this story is that it leaves the door open a reasonable amount and you know, we, we pride ourselves on being skeptics in general. This is a huge issue for me when blaming him for this entire situation. And it's very, very plausible that he was set up. And, you know, these guys obviously thought they could steal the Bitcoin. They didn't fully understand the technology. But there's a lot of people that were incentivized to say this needs to go. And maybe they didn't know how to cover the tracks the way that they're used to. That seems like a very, very plausible outcome. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, it's still like, I don't want to completely make it seem like, oh, well, he doesn't belong in jail at all. First of all, I don't know all the details, but he was running a multi-million dollar operation where he made tons of money off of the fact that they were selling illicit substances. Now, you can agree whether or not those you believe those things should be illegal. And I would even agree with you if you said, hey, listen, a lot of the things that he was selling shouldn't be illegal and we shouldn't be using force to punish those people. But 
they were illegal at the time and he made millions of dollars in a market that one of the reasons he was the only people there is because people are afraid to go into that market because they would go to jail and now he's in jail. So I don't want to make it seem completely like he's only a victim here, but if the murder for hire charges were falsified and it never happened, that's a huge huge factor here that completely tainted our opinion, the jury's opinion, the judge's opinion, everything. It's a huge difference to just sell drugs and to get someone tortured and murdered. Yeah, back to the back to the OJ comparison as much as as much as it's very clear that he that that he killed that he killed his wife, he was also over sentenced for something that he did that was like what did he get for assault? It was like, no, there was like memorabilia theft or something like um, I guess somebody had I, I, I want to say the story was um, a collector, like a guy that would own signed jerseys and a guy that's like owns a lot of the memorabilia stuff, had a lot of items of his that he were claiming were his. So if I remember correctly, he went and like stole them back or something. But like he did it somewhat roughly and kind of just like, you know, yeah, earned, but earned his other like- charges. He got like way over sentenced for something. He, I, I can't, I, I don't remember the exact. I think, I think details, he got but. ten years for something that usually gets like three to four years. But it, you know, no, it wasn't even that. It was like something that you would usually get away with, like not or like get a fine or something like that. It was like I think it was like simple assault or something. But th- you're talking about what happened after the trial, right? Like you're saying yeah. after it was huge that he got away with, yeah. Yeah, he got away with it, and and it's very clear that he did it. And he even went to go on to write a damn book about it, but like the, or he didn't release it, but he was going to. If I did it, and then and then he did like other stuff that he should not have gotten the kind of uh, sentence that he got, and he he was over sentenced. So so if they were now two things, the other devil's advocate side. If he was, if Ross was over sentenced because they knew the other charge was coming, and this what this sentence was within the law, and now they don't feel like wasting more resources trying to prosecute him on the murder charge, and now they're dropping it. I don't know. That doesn't seem that weird to me. If they feel like whatever, we already got him for thirty years. We don't need to. We don't need to go forward with these murder charges and waste all his money. Like he's in jail. Okay, so I do understand that argument, and that's one of the reasons that I didn't come with a completely clean removal, and that's why I said if true, because I see the charges being dropped, but right, like what's the mechanism as to why they're being dropped, right? Are they being dropped because it's just a more efficient way because he's in jail forever? But I'll be honest with you, that still leaves a really bad taste in my mouth because ultimately his murder for higher charges were relevant in his sentencing and now he's not even being tried for them. If he, if they don't charge him with those, that means he never got a chance to defend himself in court with those. And we're saying, oh, we could drop him because he's already in jail. Like that, that's a real cyclical argument that can be used for oppression and taking away people's freedom without ever trying them for a crime. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't sentenced for. He was sentenced within the law, right? To be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know. So we'd have to look at it more. But I'm pretty sure, based on what I was reading, that these charges played a role. And look, public opinion matters, just like you said with the OJ trial. And I mentioned it with the Scarelli trial, right? Like Martin Scarelli probably in a lot of universes doesn't go to jail, but he decided to make himself a public pariah by pissing everybody off, right? With the increasing of the drug prices and then being as smug and dickish about it as he possibly could. So he became an opportunity to make an example, right? So public opinion matters. And I don't know, man, like... (laughs) If he never gets tried for these murder charges, 
then to me, that's a red flag. I think that uh, should go without saying. I, I, I'm not a fan of how the situation is handled as, it, as the evidence has been presented to me so far. All right, so moving on here, Brent. Uh, privately last week, we were discussing this Ethereum dApp that is causing some problems for a lot of people. And personally, it's a little confusing to me as to what exactly is going on here. So hopefully you can break it down for the listeners. Okay, so we <laughs> – I don't remember if we talked about this on the flagship. You were just asking me in the chat before we transitioned to this. Didn't we talk about this on the flagship last week? I don't think so. I think we only talked about it in the in the Discord. But FOMO 3D and Proof of Weak Hands 3D are Ponzi schemes on smart contracts. There's not a question whether these are Ponzi schemes on smart contracts. The only question is, is there an exit ability by the team that posted the smart contract. It is a smart contract that is posted as a pyramid scheme. Here's how it works. There is this timer that ticks down from 24 hours. Every time somebody buys a key to that timer, it goes up 30 seconds. If the timer ever hits zero, whoever bought the last key gets all of the money that's been put into the smart contract. We are over 12 million US dollar equivalent on the smart contract right now. So what do you boys think the chances are that that will ever hit zero? 3%. No. No, it's not zero. No like no there's no way everybody in the world is like, "Eh, nah, I don't think I want to throw another dollar at this or whatever just to get the key, right?" So it's never going to hit zero. It's like those those auction websites where you can go buy a TV for $20 because they if it if collectively the everybody's zero, putting in like a thousand dollars even though right. the price is like eighteen dollars yeah they're just never gonna hit zero somebody always puts a penny in there because it's only you only have to increase bid by a penny and somebody's always going to increase it by a penny so eventually the you know <laughs> these sites can just like put up that they're selling tvs and and video games and stuff and then everybody bids and it never happens so that's what's happening here with this thing right so you have uh, the pyramid part now, right here, that's just a dumb game where this money is going to get locked up in a smart contract. The pyramid part is that if you buy a key, you now get dividends on all the keys that get bought after you. <laughs> so the people who bought the first keys are literally at the top of the pyramid. And then the people who buy keys later are towards the bottom of the pyramid. And eventually there's going to be some sort of exit scam or a hack. Now, these guys may not actually intend to exit scam. I don't know. They've developed a pyramid scheme that has money locked up instead of money going to the people who developed the pyramid scheme, which is a nice little twist on a pyramid scheme, right? But there's $12 million sitting in a smart contract that everyone is going to try to hack that was that was put out by some people who were like, hey, let's put a pyramid scheme on a smart contract. I don't know that they've got ironclad code. In fact, there's already been an exploit on the code. And they, I didn't understand the exploit, but basically the person was able to do some sort of attack on like 1% of either the locked up funds or the dividends in some fashion and kind of skim them. And they, instead of being like, oh yeah, you got us, you found a little bug in the code, let's fix that. They, they ran the old, that's not a bug, it's a feature, and released a second game. And now there's like an they're like yeah here's the if here's the exploit you can go ahead and do this and see if you can get more money out of the contract, and then it it kind of cancels the exploit if everybody's doing it, which is a nice little way to handle actually smart way to handle that. But they're not yes. dummies. So whoever's these, doing it is not dummies. 
these are not like legit pyramid schemes any more than fucking essential oils that the mom down the street is selling are legitimate businesses. Whoa, whoa. What do you have against Betty's oil bonanza? All right. Tea tree <laughs> oil for the win. So don't buy keys in a stupid... Here, here One of two things is going to happen. Either all the Ethereum in the world is going to be put into this fucking smart contract because it's going to be like a billion dollars at some point or there's going to be some sort of exit scammer hack. So <laughs> you pick, but don't don't get yourself involved in this, please. Do your own research. Anything to add there, Kareem? No, that was well done by Brent, and I'm sure he'll add a link here at some point. <laughs> oh, is that what link, link, link means? I thought you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been playing a lot of habit Zelda. of not adding a, a, the link, so I gotta go <laughs> hunt for them afterwards on Stargate. <laughs> yes, Cream also put it like size 24 fonts. <laughs> I put it in regular font, and then I noticed from Brent's eyes that he was only looking at himself on the screen, so I started making it bigger and bigger. All right, Cream, you know, we're not afraid to go off topic here on Crypto Basic, but this next topic is literally out of this world. Oh, off topic, Before, buddy. off world. Before you transfer, this is such a good topic and crazy. It's the only off-topic thing I've put into the Discord curated news. So basically, we have a channel on our Discord where everything I upvote on Reddit goes in there. So sometimes my posts that I make that are off-topic in whatever subreddits get put in there. This is the only thing since we started that was specifically off-topic other than uh, the Tesla in space that I upvoted. And Kareem independently put this in the outline. So that's how good this is. Yeah. I agree that this is big news. So it turns out that it looks like there's water on Mars, boys. And I know you may have heard that story before. Wait, wasn't there already water on Mars? Well, this is the first time that we have found liquid water. So it appears as though there is an underground lake of liquid water in Mars. Here's how it goes down, right? Up until now, we've only detected um, either ice or maybe trace amounts of water in Mars' atmosphere but not enough liquid water. And as a reminder, the reason why liquid uh, water becomes so important for the potential of life is because liquids allow molecules to move around freely and bump into each other. So there's a higher likelihood for them to start connecting, forming bonds, creating amino acids, molecules, all that stuff. So the European Space Agency detected a lake about one mile below the surface and about 12 miles across. That's 20 kilometers for our international listeners. And it's close to the uh, polar ice cap. And it was detected using radio wave pings, which essentially penetrate the rocky surface of Mars. And then they start going in. And whenever they get to a boundary with another material, they bounce back. And based on the patterns, the bounce back... um, like the patterns of the radio waves themselves, they can usually interpret what the materials are made out of. So the reflection of this particular boundary looks almost exactly like liquid water. They look like what we see in Antarctica and Greenland when we do these radio waves. They were performed from 2012 to 2015. I think it was like 29 sets or 39 sets. Um, The temperature of the water is still sub-zero, And the reason why it probably remains liquid is, number one, because of the pressure. It's a mile below the surface. And number two, it's still pretty mineral dense. So it has uh, salts, sodium, uh, magnesium, and other residues from Martian soil. And uh, just a last little thing, because I know a lot of us were thinking, okay, one interesting question is, does it have life? 
We don't know the answer to that. Maybe, possibly. Uh, the other question is, could settlers use it? If we ever settle in Mars, would this be a major source of water? And the answer is probably no. Number one, because it's in the polar ice caps. And if we ever do settle Mars, we're more than likely going to land near the equator. So this is not the most practical thing. And also there's ice sheets uh, all over the around the equator of Mars that we would be more likely to exploit first. Plus, it would take a lot of materials and resources to go to the North Pole, dig this out. Then we would have to desalinate it. So very likely not going to be a source of human water, but interesting to see if there's anything swimming around in those depths. Woo-wee. Side story, if anybody has a chance to do any mineral baths, I highly recommend it. They're pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, but obviously, this is an awesome story and you know something that's going to keep evolving over the years. And who knows where this ends up, man? I hope, I hope it keeps going strong. Yeah, I mean, I think it's especially cool because I, the, one of the main big questions that we don't have the answer to yet but that we may have an answer to in our lifetime is how rare is life? You know, because like it could really go any way right now. We could be the only living thing within like millions and millions of light years around us just because it turns out life is super rare and it almost never happens. And we're just like this crazy anomaly. Or it could be the total opposite where life is like super common. It's everywhere. Every single solar system. Guess what? Even our solar system might have some random spurts of life here and there. What is life? You know, like, how do you even define that? Like, you know, there, we could change our definition over time. There's so many ways the, that our brains some can't comprehend debate. this. Yeah, definitely some good debates about what life is and isn't because it's still a collection of inanimate matter, but acting cohesively, right? Right. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Brent, looks like uh, Facebook's changed their stance on crypto ads. We've already talked about that, but they're making a little progress. What'd you find? Well, Coinbase is now approved and shipping ads to those on Facebook and Instagram. But also important is you can now find crypto or I'm sorry, uh, Coinbase ads on Google. So Google is running those ads, too, which is they had also stopped doing cryptocurrency ads. It feels weird to be happy about ads but it's nice to see that they're back i guess that they're letting people do ads i mean i you know like i said i don't i'm not happy about seeing ads but i'm happy about seeing crypto ads there's always going to be ads we just always wanted a free market yeah however what about what about, what about, what about us guys what about what us? about us we're not approved yet. <laughs> Facebook, for the love of God, I'd like to get us some more listeners. I want to throw $5 at an ad here and there. Approve us for our cryptocurrency podcast ads. All right, guys. So serious question here. What could be any rational reason why Coinbase was already approved and we have not been? Uh, I, I, this feels like location. insider trading. No, there isn't one. Stop, is. stop trying to look for reasons. We're basically the same as them. It's because there's an East Coast bias in the tech world. <laughs> and that, see, I like both of these answers, but I think <laughs> you meant West Coast. No, like anti-East Coast. Like the bias is like. Oh, yeah, they're anti-California. The, the people. Oh, anti-East Coast. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, second question. Did you guys hear the rumors? I never really looked into it that much, but a lot of people were speculating that like Facebook might try to buy Coinbase, and that that's one of the reasons that they started to ease out their policy and that they got the green light so early. There, uh, look, they've also said that Google has been accumulating tons of crypto and that now that they're done accumulating, they're willing to put some more ads out there. People will find a 
conspiracies everywhere. It might be true. There might there might have been some accumulation, certainly by Google employees, because I know that there's like an internal cryptocurrency mailing list for the Google team. But the you know, I don't think there's really anything to that. I think they this has happened in every industry where there are scams and they shut down the ads and then they slowly allow the ads to come back. Daily Fantasy, they did that. So, oh, no, I agree. I agree with that. So my question is not so much more so like, oh, Facebook, uh, you know, now that they bought up a bunch of crypto or anything. My question is, could you see a scenario in which one of these big companies, since that's the direction we're going to anyway, where it seems like big companies buy out medium companies to become mega companies. Do you see a company like, Google, like, let's say Facebook, instead of buying a cryptocurrency, they dip their toe into the water by just like buying an, a major exchange. That'd be a pretty sick move. The reason I'm going to say I don't see this happening is because I think the one thing that that holds true of the people that I've met that that are in this level of of financial wealth and the types of entrepreneurs that are in this space, I really feel like a lot of them at this point it's it's less about the dollars and more about the legacy. I think a lot of them want to have their ego stroked to do something great on their own. And I honestly, I don't see a, a scenario where Coinbase is purchased. I think that there's some other, you know, smaller options that could be, but I, I think Coinbase is is going to remain its own entity. Yeah, Coinbase is the big company. Like they, I, I will see them acquiring some things, but they're going, they're How big are they really? on their way to Facebook level. They're getting billions of dollars in uh in fund in funds to manage. Like they're they're going to be huge. I don't know if you guys saw, but Facebook stock dropped like a lot uh, in the past five days. There's like it was going normally, and then it went from two hundred and seventeen dollars to it opened today at like one seventy four. So that's a couple of hundred million dollars worth of market cap for sure. They stopped letting third party apps post on Facebook, so a lot of a lot of content uh, marketers and a lot of the people that would have been using Facebook a lot are stopping. Now, that's probably going to make it less spammy, which is kind of good overall. But, you know, that means that I'm going to be using Facebook even significantly less than I was. I was mostly posting through Buffer. Facebook's not just going to sit on the sidelines and just watch a tech revolution happen around them. They're going to do it their own way. They're going to change their business model. Obviously, They've finally, you know, they're finally going to have to put on a front that they care about privacy and who knows how much that's really true, but they have to make adjustments with the industry. Now they, it wouldn't surprise me if 10 years from now, Facebook has the, the average person believing that they're the most private place for their data to be, you know, just, it's just going to be how they're going to spin it. It surprised me if Facebook existed 10 years from now. That I also think could be a stretch. MySpace still exists. Well, yeah, I you know what I mean. Like, Fair. exists like where it, anybody actually uses it. I mean, MySpace was still exists. Ne- MySpace was never, ever, ever close to what Facebook is. It was um, for the people who use social media at the time. Yeah, and, and like proportionally, right? Because I agree. Like, Facebook has a bigger. It's a bigger market, so they're not even close in size. But MySpace was a big fish in a market that hadn't matured yet. Um, I will say I don't want to so much defend Facebook because I want to make it very clear that I think Facebook has done pretty much everything the wrong way for the most part. Uh, I think Mark Zuckerberg is just like not an ideal CEO uh, for a company like this. They sell our data. They lie to customers. They clearly don't care if how they influence blah, 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 etc. So I, I don't like Facebook at all, but they are in a tough spot because I see these two sides that these stories that keep coming out hammering them. 
So, for example, on the one hand, it's about censorship. Like, why is Facebook censoring me and my political views? Or they're censoring, uh, you know, my opinion. I can't even talk about war without them censoring it because it's terrorism. So you see those kinds of stories, right? And then on the other hand, they're getting hammered because... They allow anti-vaccine propaganda to spread. You have Alex Jones basically saying that he's going to shoot Robert Mueller. And it's a really tough spot. Like, do you allow that to go out or not? Well, if you don't, are you infringing on Alex Jones's freedom of speech? Well, I, I think an argument could be made that yes. At the same time, should there be a limit on what people can spread on the Internet pretending that it's fact when it's not? Yeah, absolutely, there should be. How do you balance that equation? I don't think we really have the answer to that. And Facebook, a fucking downvote button. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Reddit definitely has a better system with that. But obviously, that's not how Facebook works. They're just trying to spam you. Like, that's just they're in a tough spot, man. Like, even if they did things right, I think that they're in a situation that's going to be difficult to navigate out of uh, smoothly. Yeah, dislike. If you post a dislike button and enough people hit it, then oh, guess what? It doesn't show up. All, all propaganda problems solved. Keep people in their yeah. own bubble. All right, moving on here. Uh, Brent, thankfully, this website you just found, uh, we didn't find it back in January when we started our portfolio contest, but what <laughs> is this site all about? This is, I, I just found a cool little site. It's called CryptoPunditApp.com, and it tracks the big-time expert predictions that they make public. So when they're like, ah, Bitcoin's going to be 250000 or I'm going to cut off my dick. Like, they track that <laughs> stuff, and you can see, like, how bad the expert predictions are. Now, there are a couple people who are right, but there are always going to be a couple people who are right in randomness. So, interesting. And I think the more important thing on there is the aggregate of all of the predictions. Like we've said in the past, like we talked about when we were talking about Augur, if the masses, each individual guesses are not going to be very good, but... Altogether, they might. So they have the average has Bitcoin, I believe, somewhere around twenty two thousand by the end of the year. So inter- interesting site. Check it. I don't. I we were not paid to say that. I just happened to stumble upon it and thought it was cool. I don't sure, know. Brent. Sure, you were. Hey, if you're the guy who's got crypto punted app, reach out to us. Maybe we'll talk to you. All right. So I do think that this little bit is interesting, though, just from a market perspective. Um, if you look at the chart that they have. Um, for predictions, they have like a, they, you know, basically a chart that tracks the price of Bitcoin, of course, and then they represent the predictions with little blue dots. And if you get to February, uh, January, February, March, basically all of the predictions, the majority of the predictions were a little bit, uh, they were too high because that's obviously when we started getting the drop. But once you start getting to like the current uh, environment, everybody who predicted predicted that it would be way higher than it is right now. Yeah. So it means that the expectations have been very high compared to the reality. Right. But to be fair, you're asking crypto pundits to like are like to gauge how much they think their crypto is going to grow. I mean, obviously, like these are guys that are long. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But it could be like Roger Ver telling you that Bitcoin's going to die or whatever. So it, this is specifically Bitcoin right now. I think this is websites in its infancy. I hope whoever developed this keeps it updated and pulls in as many aggregate predict- predictions as they can. Because like past this year, they don't have very many predictions. And past predictions, they don't have a ton of them either. So we're really just talking about a lot of the predictions this year. And it would be nice to see some people with some accountability. Like there's so many people that are out there talking about price and have so many followers. And everybody forgets all the times they're wrong. And then they just like 
buy into the times that they're right. Like we can we can all make a prediction of Bitcoin's price right now. Like all three of us can make a separate prediction, and then whichever one of us is right six months from now, we can talk about. Man, Mike, you called that. You called that six months ago, and just forget that me and Kareem also called it, but we were wrong. I would definitely say don't hold your breath at all. That 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 kind of market maturity or soberness is going to develop. And the reason I say that is because, okay, yeah, crypto is a new market, but we've already seen this effect. Number one, with stock with stocks, there's all kinds of shenanigans in the stock world for hundred like over a hundred years now, where you have a bunch of people that get lucky with a couple of picks and all of a sudden they're the most genius person on the planet. You could have somebody on TV making the wrong prediction every single time. Dude, there are analysts who in the middle of the recession were saying that there was no recession. And they're still <laughs> on CNBC uh money commentating and telling everybody what stock they should buy. And we also see it with like psychics, you know, like psychics who make hundreds of predictions and have been doing it for hundreds of years. You know, somebody like Sylvia Brown or Edgar Casey who could just like, you know, have verbal diarrhea of the mouth and predict 150 things. And if they get one thing even remotely close, not How even did like you they know it. that my aunt was named Susan. Oh, yeah, dude, it's like the most, oh, there will be an earthquake in California in 2019. Oh my God, this person's got superpowers because, you know, like San Antonio slightly shook. So don't expect that dynamic to end. People will will follow that stuff, unfortunately. I have a little anecdote. <laughs> the other day, I saw a post I'll allow it. on Facebook in this uh, poker dealer group that I've been a part of for <laughs> eight years or something, right? Somebody posted in there that they were going, they're willing to do a psychic reading for you for $5. Via Facebook, <laughs> and they called it a Maverick reading, and they posted the picture of Maverick playing cards. <laughs> Maverick playing cards are the cards that you buy at Walgreens <laughs> that are a dollar, that are the shittiest cards that you could really buy. The, so they're not... Let, let's just examine some of the things that are wrong with this, right? They're not using tarot cards. They're like, oh, no, I'm going to do a card reading with regular cards. <laughs> they're using the worst cards humanly possible, and they're they're willing to do it over Messenger for five dollars. So obviously, I did not just let that slide. <laughs> so just a, a quick side story, real quick. Did you guys have the experience that like when you started being a poker guy, that like your parents or friends would just like buy you random like decks of cards and just be like, "Hey, you're a poker guy. Here you yeah. go." Oh yeah, and you're just like. Uh, that applies good, in every like, every hobby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't tell anybody your hobby because yeah. they're gonna buy you like crappy versions of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, he he loves to make his own beer. Let me buy him a beer. No, it's a pretty good chance you're gonna buy him beer that's shitty compared to what he buys. <laughs> Continue. Right, I, so the, the the end result is I challenge this. I, I'm like, first I put up a post and I say I'm willing to do a psychic reading for four dollars and I'm gonna use chem cards which are strictly better than <laughs> Maverick playing cards. <laughs> and, and I posted like some horoscopy stuff. And I'm like, if this applies to you, you want to get your reading from me, not from this person. Okay. And then that psychic How, okay, decided love- to engage with me. Oh, my God. Brent, do you have I- to copy all this? We need all the details because this is some of my favorite Brent stories all involve very similar beginnings. It got deleted. I didn't get a whole lot of screenshots, oh. but I, I'm, I'm, I know I feel terrible about that. I should have realized that it was going to get deleted, but I was so excited that the person was engaging with me that I was just going on and on. 
Uh, some of the highlights of this back and forth, I challenged them to a psychic off. I, <laughs> I said, look, we'll both read as many people as you want. We'll do 10. We'll do 100. I don't care. We'll put up as much money as you want. Whatever amount of money that is, I can cover it because you're trying to get psychic readings for $5. As long as we have a neutral third party, I bet you that I can get more of those 100 people to believe that I am the psychic versus you. And person would not take my challenge. Then I said, you know what? I'll give $5 to the charity of your choice if you give me a reading. Obviously, I'm going to be posting this reading once you give it to me. And uh, and then they said no. And I said, you know what? I'll double it. I'll give $10 to the charity of your choice. They still said no. So, Just so you know, Brent, this whole conversation while you're talking, I'm putting on video for the people to see the battle that you are having. So they can see you right now fighting with the psychic. It's very good stuff. Oh, battle's over. Go on video if you want to see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you use your brain, you know what, what I just played it, it's for It's going to be the Cartman thing where he's like, nom, 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 nom. Yes! Yes! It was Cartman <laughs> versus the psychics. <laughs> I love that you got that right. Oh, man. Uh, I think uh, I did take a screenshot or two. If I can find them, I'll throw them, I'll, I'll throw them up as... I, I can't promise anything, though. All right, Brett. So... I probably don't know the person involved in the story, but do I know anybody that I could use as a replacement, like type of person that I could fill this de- the cracks of this story with? I need something. I, I think this person was literally just a. I, I don't even know if they were a poker dealer. Although they did say when they were arguing with me, they said if you understood the cards that you were using day in and out when you deal those flops, you would know that there's a lot more fate to those than. And they said some something stupid like that, but. They also said that those that facilitate gambling are scumbags in the middle of their arguments with me. So, uh, right. it, they, he's they not called facilitating all the gambling. It's an scumbags. investment. He, you're investing into the psychic and he's providing value, obviously. Yeah. It was a she, but the, anyway, the, it, 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 there was some definite comedic gold in there and I wish I had saved all of the screenshots. The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not psychic advisors. Please remember, all psychics are full of shit. The end. True story for a school project. I convinced 83 out of 100 random people that I had some psychic ability by reading one book on cold reading. And I do not have psychic ability. Yeah. If you're interested in any sort of social interactions, if you want to know what psychics use as their skills to convince people of these things, all you have to do is a lot of – there's a lot of topics on body language, relationships, all kinds of things – Join our Discord, and we'll give you all the book titles you can ask for. <laughs> wow. What a what a sell there. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to crypto from around the world. Was that a flash mob, Brent? Is that what you were trying to do there? I think he's I trying just, to freeze. Just making a face. I don't know. Well, Kareem... I actually will say, Kareem, Argentina is one of my absolute favorite places that I want to visit. It's very high on my bucket list. But in a crypto sense, what's going on? Yeah, so, you know, Argentina in South America is known as the Europe of South America because they all think they're European. But other than that, yeah, I want to go to oh, Argentina as well. I, that was all very weird fancy. hostility that I wasn't No, there's expecting. not hostility. There's like this weird vibe where like Argentinians are... It's, I guess, identify more with European culture. So they kind of look down. It's almost like Europeans settled in Argentina. And, you know, all of us Colombians or Venezuelans are the Europeans that got mixed with the local Indians. 
Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so, uh, Argentina. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there was a G20 meeting in Argentina where one of the big questions was, what do they have to say about crypto? So what's the G20? That is an international forum for the major world governments and central bank governors uh, for major countries. So Canada, US, Mexico, uh, European Union, Russia, India, China, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, basically um, obviously, I'm not going to list them all, but suffice it to say that collectively they account for 85% of the world's GDP, two-thirds of the world's population, and half of the land area. So pretty influential people. Um, what's interesting is that the headlines, at least in the crypto like subreddits and stuff like that, was... Just insane, like, oh my god, G20 bullish on cryptocurrency, like, like basically, I mean, you would think that they came out and said that cryptocurrency was the greatest thing since sliced bread. What, they, what actually they decided, though, was in a tiny little bullet point on cryptocurrency, they opened up by saying, you know, tech innovation, including crypto, can be beneficial. And then the next three sentences are just a big but where they're like, but it's used for money laundering and tax evasion and terrorism and blah, blah, blah. And then we need to keep an eye on it. And it's not a systemic risk yet, but we're keeping an eye on it. And if we do feel like it's a risk, we will act quickly. So apparently the crypto community interpret that to be fantastic news. It sounds more like nothing to, to do about it yet. But anyway, so that's the latest update on the G20 and their position on crypto. That's interesting. I don't feel like crypto people on Reddit usually take things out of context and go crazy and upvote them and talk about how amazing they are. <laughs> that never happens, right? Never. Nah, never. A, that's why I put the story in because it's such a You know what? Anomaly. I feel like Kareem fell for it, actually. He actually probably thought like, oh, G20, I know what I know what this is all about. This is actually going to be great. Oh, yeah, never mind. There's nothing here. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, no, I clicked it. falling for Reddit. it. He did his own research. Yeah. <laughs> It was a big, I mean, it was, it was at the top of the subreddit. It's like, they thought this is the best. Yeah. They clearly didn't follow through, but anyway. be aware of the bubble you are in, whether it's political, whether it's cryptocurrency, anything like a bunch of people circle jerking a topic are always going to do this and go crazy about good news and put a bunch of thumbs up on it. Like it, it you know, what was a great example of a situation where you realize that you live in a bubble um, it happened to me recently with music where we were going to go to, there was a concert here in South Florida where a kind of like a reggae, modern reggae band was playing, um, slight, li slightly stupid, right? So slightly stupid is playing and, you know, my friends are setting up this big thing where everybody's going to go to the concert and we're trying to get all our poker buddies to go. And when I'm telling people like, Hey, slightly stupid concert, slightly stupid concert. And then like two of them hit me back up and they're like, how the hell did you not tell me that? Oh, see, I already forgot the name. There was somebody else playing with Slightly Stupid that I had never heard of in my life. Like I could read that lineup a million times and it would never even click. And half of my friends were like, oh, well, you didn't tell me this person was going, who's like obviously the real deal. And now they were interested in going. So I, the, the reason I bring it up is just because they were clearly playing together with somebody that I liked. So it's like a similar genre, a similar group of people. And yet, somebody who's huge and a big deal to all my friends is somebody that I've never even heard of. And then you just have that moment where you're like, 
my God, even in music, I live in a bubble. The people I think are huge, some people haven't heard of. And there's all kinds of people selling, you know, filling out stadiums and I don't even know their name. Yeah, I mean, that's very similar to what we experienced when we went to the festival together, where it was literally four days of music with many different genres and varieties. We were pretty much there for very different reasons, and there's nothing wrong with that. We, you know, I was able to listen to some of the DJs you were a bigger fan of, and you listened to some of mine, and and that's what, you know, we use music for. But, you know, I just, I just find it interesting how people are unwilling to look outside of whatever their inner life is like. Yeah, you know, some people, but I feel like even even people like ourselves that do try to go to, out of our way to experience new things or get exposed to new ideas, I think that it's kind of a reminder. And I think Brent, really with the politics point, you know, all of our biases, with the stories we follow, with what we're in, it's just really easy to forget that your priorities and the news that you're fed and the music that you listen to and everything that's happening around you, like the way we construct the world, it's really just in our head and that there's equally valid constructions where there are other priorities, other artists, other news, other perspectives, you know, and it's just, we live in a bubble. I would say more than anything else about this podcast, I love that this gives me a great way to expand my bubble. I mean, I, every time we record a flagship, you know, I would say all three of us learn some things and we go back and forth and, you know, we get to sit with two of our best friends and and talk about stuff going on. And I like that we're not afraid recently to go slightly off topic when it comes to more overarching life concepts. And I I think that's going to be a good tilt for us going forward. A hundred percent on you guys to keep me from going off topic because I'll turn this into an off topic podcast real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kareem, let's get it back on topic and talk about these Chinese vaccine scandals. There we go, Kareem being on topic. <laughs> All right, no, so here's the story. Um there was a number of large vaccine manufacturers. Uh one there's a company called Changsheng Biotechnology Company, and it recently had to recall 256,000 DPT vaccines. So that's for um, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus. And in July, the government had caught this company falsifying data about a rabies vaccine. So here's where it gets interesting, especially coming out of China. This story started making its way into social media in their WeChat. And people were sharing it and complaining. There was a lot of anger. Um, there was also another problem with like baby formula. So it turns out that a lot of people in mainland China are, have started to lose confidence in some of the local manufacturings on something like vaccines or something like baby formula. So they import it. They import it, for example, from Hong Kong if they have money. All right. So this story started spreading through the media and the Chinese government did the two things that the Chinese government knows how to do. One was you have a state-owned media like the People's Daily um, who started going on social media and saying, hey, don't spread anger, don't spread misinformation, let the authorities respond to this. And number two, they started censoring it. So all of the stories that were sharing this uh, started getting deleted from social media and disappearing. So why do I bring this up? Believe it or not, it is on topic. Turns out that one of those individuals copy-pasted the story and sent it to themselves on an Ethereum transaction, and it is now permanently in the Ethereum blockchain where the Chinese government can't touch it. So anybody that can access block 
6,074.93 or 674.93 can access that story. And it's just kind of interesting to see this governmental response and then people using uh, something like Ethereum in order to get around that and creating a permanent record. And I just have to think that there are some people looking at this and raising an eyebrow, some people looking at the potential of it in China, and then also some people looking at it as a major threat. Because if you finally erase this story from like all of these social media sites, and now you find out that somebody just put it on the blockchain permanently, and now it's international news, and even you can't block your own people, um, I don't know. This is It's going to be really freaking interesting to see all these texts develop <clears throat> into different cultures. This that baby formula problem was also, I think, the impetus for starting Wabi, the uh, one of the supply chain coins. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now, I'm not. A, I did. I've never done my research on Wabi, but I remember the baby formula story when I did like a very cursory first glance at Wabi. So I think they're related. You know, another thing about the story while I was reading it is that. Um, you know, we do have a tendency here in the U.S. to think of the Chinese government, obviously, as more authoritarian. And in many ways, that's true. Obviously, they have firewalls. They can censor things. But I think this also shows that they have to be responsive to their population as well. Like, there's outrage on social media. And even though, on the one hand, they're censoring, you know, you you also have state-owned media coming out and saying, hey... Don't freak out. We're going to have a response and these companies do get fined and people do get arrested. So, you know, just because they have a different form of government doesn't mean that they completely circumvent the like natural pressures of having to be responsive to the people. And then if the people are angry about something, there's other social problems unless you deal with those problems, you know. So it's just interesting and very interesting to see that blockchain can play a major role. Anything else we want to cover here, gentlemen? All right. Uh, anybody else have rants other than me this morning? Uh, mailba- you want to do mailbag first or rant first? Totally up to you guys, whatever you'd rather. Rant away. All right. So I'll try to keep this brief. Um, I-, I had a bit of a tragedy in my life recently where my 16-year-old nephew uh, committed suicide this week on Monday. And, you know, I am currently road tripping across the country to get there and see my brother and and you know, make sure that he's doing all right. Obviously, no one's going to be okay, but, you know, make sure I can mitigate the the earthquake as much as I can that's going on in their lives. But, you know, I'm just trying my best to make this a call to action and really understand that there's there's people out there that don't they don't function the same way you do their brains, the circuitry, the wiring is different and it never gets easier. So, you know, just call your loved ones, remind them that you care, remind them that you're there for them and, and really just, just go the extra mile for people because, you know, we really only have each other in this world, but I am happy to get this back on a little bit of a lighter topic. And, uh, this is a pretty fun way to end this. So we do have a mailbag question. Yeah. Crip basic. Flags your Friday. You listen to the mailbag drop, where we break down a member's thoughts. Just starting crypto, don't you stop. Keep listening till you hit the spot. Woo! Did that sound okay? Yeah, okay. reasonable. The, I mean, the waveform. The, I mean, minus the, vocals, minus the lyrics. The vocals seemed pretty weak. I mean, I'm sure we could get somebody with a little more tonality, maybe a little more pitch. But I mean, within the context of what it normally sounds like, yeah, it sounded fine. 
funny story. I, I Snapchat had this like, are you tone deaf thing the other day? Like it's a couple weeks ago, maybe. And you could click through it and it would play. It'd be like, which of these sounds is different. I got every one of them wrong. I am absolutely completely tone deaf. Can you send me a link to that? No, it was on Snapchat. Oh my God. It was just like one of the things that one of the like people did for the day. They're like, all right. They do it. They do stupid stuff like that every day. But there was no, there was really no question in my mind before that. But like they just confirmed it. They're like, if you got zero out of these 10 right, you are definitely not able to. To hear the I'm difference. sure. I'm sure there's probably an online test I can find now that I, now that I know that exists. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, of doing the same thing. I've always considered myself whatever the definition of tone deaf was. I probably was it. Yeah, my reasons I, are a it really reared its head at me in the escape room. Now that I'm running the escape room, one of the puzzles requires uh, you use these glasses and you have to tap the glasses to get them to play a note and also play it on a musical instrument to match them up. And when the glasses break. I have to figure out how to put a new glass in there, and it's very difficult for me. <laughs> that sounds like a really complex puzzle. It, it it's a really cool puzzle, actually. That's hey, I want complexity when I go to my escape rooms. So I mean, I would too if I were you, but I'd be unfortunately. <laughs> However, I do want to make it very clear that if you try to promote your escape room one more time on this podcast, you are shipping advertising dollars. <laughs> do I make myself clear, Philbin? What? Oh man, if he's not, if he's not. Pushing his business, he's he's pushing his shit coins for his it, portfolio. It's named, this uh, is ridiculous. Escape key, right? It's in Gainesville, Florida. Oh, yeah, you got it. Is that where it is? No, no, no. <laughs> so, so if you're in Gainesville, Florida, listening to our podcast, Jason, <laughs> I just picked a random name, but that's actually our editor. <laughs> I I did one of uh, one of the people who came through the room last night. I I used our business card that like automatically opens up Spotify and. May, we may have a Gainesville listener now. I don't know. Life goals. All right. So now are we done with the free advertising? All or right, is there anything so, else you'd like to push, Brent? Anything you're selling <laughs> on Amazon or anything? Or can we? <laughs> Any, you're, you're private labeling anything anymore? Yeah. Guacamole, uh, the mats that we could put our computer If you're done, on. If you're done, we could just go to the mailbag section. But if there's anything else you want to plug for free, you know, now's the time. Uh, no, I think I'm, I think I'm all right for, for the moment. No, you don't right. want to talk about Nano real quick and, and, and try to get it to push up before the end of the month? Because that would be... <laughs> Come on, Nano. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. Big, so big so the, very, the very subtle, beautiful thing about this mailbag question is that the guy's name is Potato. And oh, he's so been good. part of the Discord for a while. And actually, every time he, he says something, it's, it's made me laugh. So his question is... So by now, I know that you guys are well-versed on crypto, but listening to the podcast more and more, I also understand you may have some industry-leading experts on snacks. What's your favorite snack to eat when you have the munchies? Kareem, I'm going to start with you. No so way. That, yours so that Brent is a- can think about his answer while... But yours is right here. Go ahead, Mike. Lead the way. <laughs> yours All is right, first fine. on the outline. That's Well, that's because I did my outline last night expecting to get three and a half hours of sleep when I got up early anyways because I don't know what time zone I'm in. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of a, a tricky question. Um, you know, the term favorite is always so, like, difficult to say. So I picked a couple different categories. Uh, my absolute all-star favorite thing you can p- put in front of me would be the uh, Godiva White Chocolate Magnum Ice Cream Pints. And basically, it's... It's a pint of ice cream, but there's a hard white chocolate shell around the entire box, and it's just absolutely on point. 
Um, as far as my my like guilty pleasure, salty snacks, I would go with like white cheddar puffs. There's a couple different brands. I'm a huge fan of those. And uh, one of the things that I actually use to get me through those munchies more than anything else actually is Crystal Light. Um, it's a, uh, a no-calorie drink mix that I can get in there and, and have different flavors and and still feel like I'm getting some kind of taste sensation when uh, I'm trying not to eat any calories. Nice. He narrowed it down a lot. I just kind of started putting in a bunch of stuff that I like. So I love dark chocolate. Beef jerky is delicious. Um, I like teriyaki flavor myself. I'm a big fan of cheese. Favorite cheese is Gruyere. But also Trader Joe's sells these cheese sticks that are wrapped in prosciutto. They're so good. I, you actually like, were eating really, one before a recording one time recently. And you were yeah. I really. They look amazing, right? It's yeah. because they are They're amazing. They're at Trader Joe's. Yeah, your eyes are not deceiving you. So um, also kiwi, one of my favorite fruits. Turns out it's super nutritious. And then when I found out that you can actually eat it with the skin, I no longer had to peel it. So it became an obsession. I probably eat really? three, four, five I, How do you like them with the skin? They're fine. It's honestly mm. like a peach or something. I never would have thought of it. I always peeled it. My dad always peeled it growing up. Um, it's so intimidating because it's furry. Like it's No, like, you I don't know, w- but it's fine. Like oh, peaches... Cool. You know how peaches furry? Like honestly, yeah, you just bite right into it. It it does have a slightly different texture on the outside, but you all you have to do is cut off the ends. I'm definitely gonna try it. Absolutely. I feel like I want to hit it with a number zero first. <laughs> Dude, it cut it cuts off so much time of the eating. Uh honey roasted peanuts, hummus, and then there's a bunch of Colombian snacks that I love. Uh almohana, alchida, chocorramo. Some of those are pretty bad. And then there's something all right, this one's kind of inappropriately named, but it's possibly one of my favorite snacks of all time okay it's called in america in colombia and it doesn't have any negative context but it's called besos de negra which means black women's kiss but not like in the weird racial context that exists in the u.s it's just what they're called and they're essentially it's like imagine a thin graham cracker with a marshmallow on top dipped in hard chocolate and hardened and they're so freaking Amazing. So it's a s'mores. We call candy it bar? s'mores. <laughs> mm, yeah, but you know, I like those. <laughs> that's like me saying, "Oh, there's this." That's like me s- describing a chocolate brand that I like, and you guys are like, "Oh, we call that Hershey's." Well, yeah, you think you call it Hershey's, but trust me, you've never tried these. So, quick story here. I just want to say, uh, when I left Vegas last week, uh, we decided to drive to Arizona. A couple weeks ago, I'm sorry. We, we decided to drive to Arizona after the being in the desert for what felt like hours, probably was hours. We f- we drive up to this sign, a cardboard sign with a written in Sharpie. It says beef jerky three miles. I'm like, we're definitely stopping. So we stop at this little beef jerky stand. It's like a mom and a son. And they had all kinds of like really, really good flavors of beef jerky. Uh, we ended up buying three bags. And what I How also- How did the prices compare to store-bought beef jerky, Mike? Oh, they're I'm very expensive. Ch- I mean, it was- uh, It was still pretty expensive, right? Okay. Well, it, it's it's they used good quality ingredients. So like I knew what I was paying for. I, right. I forget the type of uh, actual beef that they used off the top of my head, but it wasn't some cheap piece of meat. It was- uh, Actually, I think it was brisket now that I think about it. Oh. Um, so it was – I got three bags of brif- brisket beef jerky. That was awesome. And then what I wasn't expecting to find that I ended up loving, they also had this huge selection of dehydrated fruits. So we got dried mangoes, banana chips. We got a bunch of things. And now I've decided I'm probably going to try to find a dehydrator because I want to make some of this stuff myself. Sounds pretty good. Hmm. All right, Brent, you're up. A story Your with Mike and Brent that ended with them wanting to buy something. 
<laughs> so USA, USA. <laughs> I, this is a tough question for me because right, I hold pretty on a much second. like everything. I'm going to be back in half an hour, okay? Break should be about halfway done. <laughs> Just kidding, Pillsbury. Go ahead. Give us your best snacks. I, no, I, I really do literally like I like everything. So I'm going to just pull out some of the things that randomly, you know, I if I go out of my way to go somewhere, I have to eat them. The s'mores, hot s'mores at Blaze Pizza. You got to make sure you get that when you go to Blaze Pizza. At the end there, they, they like put it on the oven, make it hot for you. The Sour Bright Eggs by Trolley are very good very this random thing you can't find anywhere anymore but they're really awesome but here is the 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 game changer for me for something that i already really liked putting reese's peanut butter cups in the freezer is like the best thing you can possibly do for yourself other than the fact that you're gonna get fat so putting reese's peanut butter cups in a freezer when you eat them they are just so much better you don't get the like peel off onto the uh onto the little cup part of the wrapper mm-hmm. that you can't avoid in any other way and therefore you don't have to lick the wrapper which is kind of disgusting anyways and <laughs> y'all don't do Part- that <laughs> no that usually oh. just stays in the wrapper yeah I, I i have to lick the wrapper because i can't let that just slide and i'll just i don't know brownie brittle those like brownie brittle things that are like expensive but they're good those are i don't know brent, man. Like, brent can you tell the uh white chocolate uh, yogurt covered pretzel story. Well, you you just ruined the ending. Ah, oh. <laughs> so, so this is a much better story if you don't hear that first. But uh, I thought so. Okay. I was having I was having white poop. I was having white stools. I mean, like <laughs> bright white, like cream colored. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I Google it. Don't Google medical symptoms for the love of God. Just don't do it. WebMD. I, why I'm is look- my poop different colors? Yeah, I, I Google white stools. It's indicative of liver disease. It's indicative of like cancer, types death, of cancer. <laughs> yeah, like it, I was like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have been drinking so much. Oh boy, and but because like this was like really pure white. And then what I realized what, when it went away the next day is I had eaten an entire bag of the those like yogurt or white chocolate covered pretzels. I don't know which one it is, but. There, there's a white substance that covers these pretzels. I ate the whole bag the day before. So I wanted to make sure that this was actually what did it. So I ate another whole bag that day. And sure enough, a, a man of they science, were white the next Brent day. Philbin always wants to control the variables and make sure that he does his skeptic's job. Just That's goes in and him. does it again. That's why I love him. All right, guys. Final question uh, to wrap this up since we kept it so Americanized by talking about our snacks and stuff. Uh, I want you each to, it doesn't have to be your absolute favorite, but, you know, think of a favorite food from anywhere in the world, ideally, like, if you could have one food, it doesn't have to be just a snack, like, if you could travel right now or tomorrow and get a meal anywhere in the world, what country do you think you're going to and what food type or, or dish do you think you're going after? Japan sushi, not close. Japan sushi, not close. Michael? Uh, I was going to do Japan, but some kind of Kobe beef, uh, other... Some type of it, probably the same restaurant as Brent. I would just order something different. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> eat, maybe like the izakaya, like Japanese soul food style stuff, but like definitely Japan, hundred percent. 
Like yeah, top, the top y- five countries would all be Asian. Some yakisoba or something. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm a big fan of Asian cuisine. As I well. have a huge guilty pleasure for Mexican food, and uh, my mom grew up in California and made it most of my childhood. So it's like just a weird safe place for me. Dude, Paola loves Mexican food. I never thought I'd get tired of Mexican food, but I got a little tired of it for a while there. She loves it, <laughs> like, a lot. But yeah, Mexican food's good. Anything else we want to cover today, guys? No, I think that wraps it up. I think that wraps it up. It's the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Mike. I was here with Brent and Kareem. Thanks again for tuning in. The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors, but they could tell you a thing or two about snacks. Listen to them now. Maybe you could win a trip to go to Japan to eat sushi with Brent and yakisoba or something weird with Mike. We love you guys.